you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy Hellman. hi everybody how are things going over here in the northeast it is the dog days of summer it is hot 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 and you will not hear any complaints on my end i love the heat So I'm here on Main Street soaking it all in because my little storefront here on Main Street gets all the morning sun. Basically, the sun beats down from Elm right into my beautiful windows, and it heats this place up like a freaking sauna, and it stays a boiling hot space all day long. It drops to maybe 84 sometimes. And I have this AC that I can turn on, but it is as loud as a jet engine. So when I'm recording, I have to turn it off and it's just going to be 84 and I'm just going to hydrate, hydrate, so much hydration going on and uh, do my best to survive and stay cogent for you guys. Okay. So if I fumble my words, if I start sweating profusely, uh, you'll know why. But yes, I am enjoying this day because on other days, I'm staying home with my kids. This year, as school was ending, my husband and I were very apprehensive about what coronavirus would be doing over the summer, about the Delta variant. Uh, Camps in our town were really loosening guidelines, and we were worried about our children's safety. So we enrolled them in just a little bit of camp. And we did it really late. So there wasn't a lot of camp even available for us to choose from. And that means that our kids are at the camp of dad, this summer camp of dad. And that's a lot of dad time, especially because dad doesn't love running a summer camp. So two days a week, even though I have a full-time job running my company and teaching the academy, I have taken the kids two days a week for adventure days. And we're doing all sorts of fun adventuring. We're doing some lessons to avoid the summer slide, a book club with Call of the Wild and Anne of Green Gables. We're going to be doing some um, adventuring into New York City to go to some museums. We're going to go to the country. We're going to go on hikes. So I'm lining up all of these activities because I know on dad's summer camp days, it's going to be a little bit more screen time in the air conditioning. 
I'm excited for this opportunity, uh, but a little daunted. And also I'm having them help me. So this week they're going to come in here and we're totally redoing my store windows. As you know, we had a major flood and I haven't built back yet because I was waiting to see what type of insurance money would come through. I'm just, I'm just waiting, but working in a space that's half baked, that's got boxes piled up, that's not looking cute is deeply impacting my well-being. I am not a fastidious person. At home, things can be untidy. At home, things are out of place. It is not magazine ready. But when I come into work, in order to laser focus and be super productive and also be inspired, I need everything to be set right. And it's been in upheaval for a few months now. So I'm excited because one of the Adventure Day activities is helping to make mommy's office somewhat more inviting. So that's what we're doing this Adventure Week. How are your kids doing? How are you doing? What's going on with you guys? Please keep me in the loop. Send your questions, send your comments to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. You'll see there's a little form to fill out. Now, one note I want to make about the form to submit your questions is you can only submit one picture per line. There's like four little spaces where you can submit four separate pictures. But I think some people have been sending like multiple pictures per line and I'll only see the first one. So if you're like, Betsy, I was watching the YouTube channel and you only showed one of my five pictures. It's just because I wasn't able to access the rest. So I only see the first one. So only put one picture per link and that will be the best practice so that I can actually see what's going on. And we've got a lot going on. I've loved all the questions that are coming into the mailbag. Without further ado, let's open the mailbag and see what's inside, shall we? All right, my first question comes from Tabitha. Tabitha writes in from Goshen, Arkansas, and she said, Hey, it's me again. Tabitha was on our last episode as well. She writes, I'm in the process of redesigning my home. My theme that I'm going for is modern boho, neutral palette, lots of texture, pops of color with a Moroccan flair. My husband gave me permission to redo the house with two stipulations. One, we have wall-to-wall carpet and I cannot rip it out yet. He wants to do it, but in the fall. So in the meantime, is it okay to put a rug on a carpet? Second, we have a matching chair and a half and an oversized love seat. I don't like them, but he does. He's dead set on keeping them. How can we not make them stick out like a sore thumb? Okay, Tabitha, let's dig in. Now, again, you might be one of those people who sent multiple pictures because all I'm seeing is a picture of the armchair. And I agree, you know, it, it does have a style all of its own that is not modern, nor is it really that boho. So we'll have to make it work. But first, let's go back. You know, so my academy members, the people taking my interior design academy who want to become interior designers and run their own business. So they listen to the podcast, they tell me, and they pause it after the question and try and provide their own answer, using it as like a comprehension quiz to make sure that they're on the right page. And I love that idea. Maybe you guys are doing that too. If you paused after that question that I just read, perhaps you yourself want to be an interior designer and you should definitely check out the Academy, affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy. Getting back to Tabitha's question, there was a red flag in there that all of you who are critically listening should have heard. She said that the theme for the room is modern boho. 
I love that that is two words, Tabitha, modern boho, but it is not a two-word phrase, right? Both modern and boho are style words. So I want you to only take one of those two words for your style word, and I want you to come up with a feeling word. Because right now, if you're using two styles in the same room, they're going to conflict. And modern, if you're meaning it in the interior design definition way, refers back to a style in the mid-20th century that really isn't in play too much anymore. It's got a lot of white lacquer, severe lines, things like that. And based on your description, I don't think that's what you're going for. So when you're picking a style, I got to take my interior design hat off for a minute because You know, my clients use these words all the time. They say, Betsy, I'm modern, or Betsy, I'm beachy, or Betsy, I'm this or that, right? Eclectic, boho. And I don't take their style words literally because this is not what they do for a living. So you might be referring to modern, meaning contemporary, what's happening now, clean lines, right? Without too much ornamentation and keeping it light, airy, neutrals with pops of color. So you might be referring to contemporary. So I won't hold your feet to the fire because you misdefined something. Is it misdefined? I don't know. It is now. I won't hold your feet to the fire because you misdefined something. Rather, I'll redirect you and encourage you to get that feeling word and really use boho as your style word because that's where I'm really seeing your enthusiasm in your comment. All right. I will put a rug on top of wall-to-wall carpeting if the wall-to-wall carpeting is very low pile, if it is not plush. And when I'm looking at your picture here, it looks like you have standard plush wall-to-wall carpeting. When I'm talking low pile, I'm talking like a Berber. I'm talking a commercial grade carpeting that's like 0.25 inch pile height or less. And what I'm seeing here is closer to 0.5 inch pile height really plush. And that means that that other rug that you choose to layer on top is not going to sit well because there's all those fibers. It's going to move around. It's going to bubble up. It's going to be hard to get it to stay in one place. And it's going to be a tripping hazard. So I only layer rugs in very unusual circumstances. And I make sure that the rug that I'm putting on top is anchored with something heavy. Maybe it's anchored with a sofa and a coffee table. Maybe it's anchored with a bed, but foundationally it's on a very, very low pile rug. Now, even if it's anchored under something heavy, the edges are still going to be a tripping hazard. They're still going to bubble up. They're not always going to lay flat. If somebody shuffles their feet as they're walking by, they're going to um, cause the rug to move and shift. You could think about putting rug tape on the upper rugs to kind of adhere it to the lower carpeting. But the problem with that is it may wind up marring the carpeting in some way. So it's just not something I do very often. Um, It's not something I recommend you do very often either. You know, fall is very soon. It's coming up fast. I'm so sad as I say that because summer is my absolute favorite month. But fall is coming up quickly. So I would just let it ride until fall when your husband will allow you to rip up that wall-to-wall carpeting. You mentioned your matching chair and a half and oversized love seat. So if he's dead set on keeping them, the one thing I'm not going to recommend is a slip cover. Slip covers are saggy, baggy. They're always ill-fitting. 
I mean, if you found a slipcover that specifically fit this set, in other words, not just a generic slipcover that you would buy online at Amazon, but one that was meant and sold through the furniture company where you bought these pieces, okay, then I might be okay with it because this very intense and busy paisley pattern, I'm sure is contributing to your dislike of the piece as well. It appears to have sort of gatherings at the arm. It doesn't seem to be the style that you were describing in the earlier part of your question. I would instead you know, maybe layer this with like a throw blanket. I do think it's kind of compelling when designers put throw blankets that are very long, like over the back of the chair, then they bring it down the back and over the seat and tuck it in slightly where the seat meets the back. That could be an interesting look, right? You could put a pillow on this and put a throw blanket either on the arm or the back. The bottom line is sometimes when you're trying too hard to cover something up, it looks like you're covering something up and it kind of draws attention to itself because people are wondering what's under there? What's she got under that blanket? What's behind that pillow? So just integrating it in a casual, you know, styled, but not overly disguised way is the best way to handle this oversized chair and love seat. In my humble opinion, Tabitha, I hope your husband agrees. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Let's go to my next question. This question comes from, drumroll please, oh. It's Tabitha, yet again. She has another question. She writes, my last question for now. We have this china hutch. It's an heirloom that can definitely not be removed. My theme is modern boho. We discussed that earlier, Tabitha. I want you to revisit that. And I don't even have china to put in this cabinet. The bottom cabinets hold our games. We're big into board games. What can I do to the top to make it more aesthetically pleasing? All right, well... You know, it's nice to have pieces that are sentimental. It's nice to have pieces that evoke memories or that are special to you that go beyond just, I clicked and bought this online or I really loved it in the store, but rather they tug at your heartstrings. I think that 
having moments like that, having elements of that in your home can really make your space special and can make it feel like a personalized oasis rather than a hotel room. So many of my clients say, Betsy, I just want my home to look like a hotel room. And every time I hear that, a little piece of my soul dies because everybody's supposed to feel at home in a hotel room, right? It's that kind of chameleon-esque space that appeals to everyone, that's not too strong in any one style so that everyone can, you know, find it appealing in their own way, no matter their personal style. But for me, it just screams generic. So having these personalized items, these items that feel special, I think can give a home its je ne sais quoi. That being said, a lot of people inherit items that aren't them, that really go against the style that they want. And, you know, it's fine for smaller items, like say a piece of art that you can reframe in your style or an afghan that you want to use that your grandmother made, but, you know, it can go over certain places and you can take it out or put it in a chest when people are visiting, right? This piece is big. This piece is the heirloom elephant in the room, and it is not boho, and it is not modern. And I would say change out the brass hardware, that ornate filigreed hardware, but underneath you're going to find that there has been some you know, sun damage over time and that the texture or color of the wood underneath may not match the stain or the color of the current cabinet. And it would really be conspicuous if you remove this hardware. Oftentimes, the other problem with heirloom pieces is that you don't want to change their integrity. So you're probably resistant to painting this piece, even though I would love for you to have this piece painted. That's really the only way to salvage it and make it more of the style you're looking for. I mean, the other way to make it more of the style you're looking for is to style the shelves with items that reflect what you're hoping to portray in the room. You mentioned boho. So we could have some interesting baskets, some sculptures, some colorful picture frames, anything that could pop, maybe a collection of glassware. It depends what you're using this for. You mentioned you don't have china, but if it's in a dining area, we want pieces that would be used for dining, whether you buy something right? And then curate like an adorable tea set. Maybe it's even an international tea set that's brightly colored. That could be really cool. So, you know, we want to think about our options. The other option, and I'm going to get some bad feedback for this, but with a piece this large, with a piece that has this much intrinsic character and that also really is pretty dated, Maybe we want to put it in a less conspicuous spot. Maybe this piece, Tabitha, would look great in your basement. Have you given that any thought? Just putting that out there. I know that's controversial. All right, Tabitha, I hope some of my suggestions have helped. My last question for today comes from Maryland. Let's see here. Allison writes, hi, Betsy. I love your podcast. I'm just in the beginning stages of a kitchen refresh. I would love to hear your opinion on the practicality and longevity of open shelves. Do you think this fad will pass? Is this something you would put in your own house? Thank you so much for always keeping it real and providing so much useful information to us listeners. Well, you're welcome, Allison. Thanks for writing in. Uh, let's talk about it. 
Would I ever use open shelves in a kitchen in my own home? The answer is emphatically no. I have a lot of things, a lot of glassware, a lot of mugs, a lot of bowls, and they don't all match because my husband likes character glasses. You know what character glasses are? Like the Star Wars, the Pokemon from different restaurants that give out like those souvenir cups. He likes that stuff. And uh, I want to be able to live in peace. So I need opaque doors on my upper cabinets. Open shelving is just not for me. My family's a little too real. Like we're living there every day with cereal bowls that don't always match. Uh, I'm a little bit messy. So even though my shelves are quite organized inside, not everything is in perfect alignment and not everything is used all the time. So with open shelving, that stuff can get dusty, right? For me, open shelving is not at all practical in my primary home. If I had a beach house, maybe I should change it to when I have a beach house. If I had a beach house, when I have a beach house, if I had a second home where I just needed a very small set of very minimal dishes and I wanted a lighter look or I just didn't have the real estate for cabinets or I didn't want to invest a lot of money in cabinetry because maybe I'm going to rent it out. Uh, I don't want to use Airbnb. You guys heard one of my previous episodes, you know, that's like a naughty word for me now. But if I was going to rent it out as a vacation rental or something like that, I might not want to invest in upper cabinets and then it'd be the perfect solution. But you really have to ask yourself what kind of person you are. I was just designing a country home for a client, a client of mine that I'd worked with in New York City. And then she bought this amazing country house out in the country and she needed help with that as well. So She wanted a lot of open shelving. It worked well with her sort of farmhouse style. And she's, you know, got a fiance. But other than that, it's just them making all their dreams come true. Wonderful. But if or when they have kids and they've got the plastic sippy cups, they've got the stack of plastic plates and bowls next to the nice porcelain ones that they're buying, I think they're going to wish they had some doors on those cabinets. Or maybe they'll put baskets with all the plastic dishware. I don't know. But my life is just a little too real for open shelving. And I think most people's lives are a little too real for open shelving. Additionally, it can just look like visual clutter. I am not a fan of floating shelves. I'm sure you've read my book, Cover to Cover, Allison. I don't love floating shelves. And open shelving in a kitchen is like the ultimate floating shelf. It's usually longer than a floating shelf that you might buy at, say, Target or Pottery Barn. It's usually deeper, and it usually needs to function much more aggressively. It needs to really do some work for the kitchen. And that means that it's loaded and must be managed. That is not something I have the bandwidth for. So do I think it's a fad? Yes. And do I think some things that we see in magazines or TV shows look really great in magazines and on TV, but do not actually look great in real life? Yes. Yes. This is one of those things, right? It's going to shoot really well for a magazine. It's going to look perfect for two days. And then you're really going to want some juice and you're going to take the glass down and it's going to take everything out of alignment. And personally, that would drive me crazy. So it's like a white rug. It's like, you know, a black carpet in your living room. These are things that look great on day one and are really hard to upkeep. So I warn against it, and I certainly hope that helped with your decision-making, Allison. 
Guys, are you making some tough decisions? Do you have questions for me? Send them to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. And I can't wait to answer your question on the air. Guys, are you wondering what Tabitha's chair and a half looked like? Are you wanting more visual information about that hutch? Maybe you don't think it's as egregious as I do. Well, check out our YouTube channel. Go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. You'll see the link to the YouTube channel, to our Facebook, to all the things. So you can see the images and even see a video of me recording this podcast. Everyone, keep those questions coming. Check us out on our other platforms and I'll be talking to you again soon. Bye. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.